Welcome to Soul Talk, soulful conversations exploring who you are, why you're here, and how to live your most authentic life. My name is Coop Blackson, nationally best-selling author of You Are The One, transformational teacher, and your host. I invite you to subscribe to the Soul Talk podcast for weekly inspiration from me, where I will share with you some powerful ideas, thoughts, and practical life wisdom to help you live life more fully, freeing yourself from your past, reclaiming your power, and living your true life's purpose. You can also go to www.coopblackson.com, enter your name and email to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment. Let's get started with Soul Talk. Welcome everyone. Welcome to another very special episode of the Soul Talk podcast. We've had some amazing guests over the last few weeks, Jim Quick, Trent Shelton, uh, my dear friend Robin Sharma. Today, as always, is no exception. I'm really excited about my guest today. I've read a few of his books been very inspired by his work. I mean, he has some profound, deep knowledge and wisdom in his books. If you haven't read them, the first one is brilliant. Uh, it's The Biology of Belief. Go out and get that book, ASAP. Uh, I think he's, he's brilliant in making things really practical. Uh, another book I really enjoyed, The Spontaneous Evolution. Uh, and he has a, a third book, The Honey... The Honeymoon Effect, which I haven't read, but I'm sure that's amazing too. So today, I'm really privileged, excited to welcome to Soul Talk Conversation, Bruce Lipton. Bruce, welcome to the conversation. I am so happy to be here with you, and I just have to express my admiration for uh, the wonderful evolutionary work you're doing. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. I was just telling... Uh, uh, Bruce here that I, I was looking at his uh, bio page. So folks, you have to check out his website. It's brucelipton.com. But I was looking at his bio page. I'm looking at it now. And on his bio page is a picture of Bruce. And I think this will probably say a lot about him. This guy has this huge smile that it will just melt you. So folks, check out his bio page because the smile of the picture on his bio will melt your heart into uh, just, I don't know, joy. I feel joyful, Bruce. Looking, I'm looking at the screen right now, Bruce, and I feel so much joy in this moment. So uh, as we start our conversation, um, you know, the, the, the podcast is called Soul Talk. We're talking about matters of the soul, matters of the heart, things that are meaningful in life. And uh, before we dive in, I do have a lot of questions for you. I'm just curious, especially for my community that may not know that much about you. I really want them to, to kind of get a sense of who you are. I know you're a best-selling author and speaker and stem cell biologist, but I'd love, love for you to share just a little bit about an overview about how perhaps you got started on this journey uh, as a biologist, stem cell biologist, author. You know, I really love that you're bridging science and spirituality together. So how did that start to the point where you're doing what you are now. Well, it's inter I appreciate the question, and I hope I get it concise. It's just that uh, when I was a kid <laughs> in second grade and, and had an opportunity to look at a microscope for the first time and saw an amoeba and a paramecium and some algae, and looking in there, I realized, oh, my God, there's this miniature world down there. And and what was that caught my attention at that age was when the amoeba moved around, it, it, it wasn't random. It was like doing things. 
And immediately my child's mind's like, wow, it's like they're little people <laughs> in a sense. Uh, and by the time I finished college and got into graduate school, I wasn't doing regular microscope work. I was doing electron microscope work, which is uh, like the Hubble telescope uh, versus uh, a kid's telescope. It was like looking into the cell and, and knowing yes. this thing. And I studied these cells, and uh, I had the opportunity uh, of cloning stem cells. Now, people have heard of stem cells today, but when I was cloning stem cells, that was 51 years ago. And uh, wow. there was only a handful of people in the world that even knew what a stem cell was back then. So I had an opportunity to work on something before you know, the world really knew about it. And, and as a conventional biologist and, uh, uh, and as a teacher, at that time, I was teaching the story that most everybody has heard, and that is that genes turn on and off, and genes control the character of our lives, uh, and, and that we're pretty much like victims of our heredity. Whatever you know, genes got passed down, that's the story of our life. Uh, I was teaching that. So at the same time, I was um, uh, studying these cells in tissue culture, and they're like embryonic cells. They can become a lot of different things. Uh, and you grow cells in tissue culture uh, in a fluid that we call culture medium. And I say, well, what does it represent? The answer is it's laboratory version of blood. So if I want to grow human cells, I make a, a solution culture medium, which has the same stuff as blood in it. Uh, so the cells are at home. <laughs> and, uh, but since I make it in the lab, I'm able to uh, change some of the composition. So I made several different versions. But here's the point. When you clone a cell, that means you just put one cell in the Petri dish, and then it divides into two, and then they divide, and you get four. And it keeps dividing and dividing. And after a week, I have like uh, 30,000 cells in the Petri dish, but they're all from the same parent. So that means I have 30,000 genetically identical cells. Well, I split those cells up into three Petri dishes, and I fed each dish with a slight different composition of culture medium, like a different uh, blood chemistry. And in one dish, the cells form muscle, and there's another dish with a different culture medium, different blood, uh, the cells form bone, and in a third dish, again, with a different culture medium, equivalent of blood, but slightly different, uh, the cells form fat cells. Well, the point is very important. It's like, well, what controlled the fate of the cells? Well, if you start with, yes. they all were genetically identical. They were all, all the same genes. But why did one become muscle, one become bone, one become fat? The answer was, it was the environment that was adjusting the genes. And, and, and you say, so what does that mean? I go, well, uh, first of all, let, let, let's uh, a point that it's almost humorous, but it's a real valid point, and that is this. Uh, when we look in the mirror and see ourselves, we see ourselves as like one individual, but in truth, if you, if you could see with like a microscope, uh, you, a body is made out of about 50 trillion cells. A body is a community of cells. Uh, and so uh, the, the jokey part is, well, a, a body is like a skin-covered Petri dish with 50 trillion cells inside. And I say, yes, and it has the original culture medium. The original culture medium is blood. Uh, so it, it's like 
the cell is either in a plastic dish or a skin-covered dish, but it's still controlled by the culture medium, the blood. I say, so why is this relevant? And the answer is, in our brain, our thoughts are translated into chemistry that goes into the blood. And I say translate, I mean, there's different chemistry for different kinds of things, like being in love releases wonderful chemistry, dopamine for pleasure, vasopressin makes you more attractive, uh, oxytocin is added to the blood for bonding and growth hormone. Uh, that's why people with a picture of love in their mind release all this beautiful chemistry and they get healthy. But uh, if you have a picture of fear in your mind, those chemicals are not released into the blood. Instead, a set of fear chemicals are released in the blood, like stress hormones or factors that control the immune system. Uh, okay, so when you have a thought, the thought is translated into chemistry that goes into the blood, and then that chemistry is what adjusts our genetics. And all of a sudden you say, well, what does that mean? And, uh, uh, and the most important thing is this, your thought is translated into chemistry that goes into your blood, and that chemistry controls your genetics and your behavior. And you say, so relevance is if you change your thoughts, you change your biology. And if you have negative thoughts, then your body has a negative biology because of that chemistry. And positive thoughts like falling in love change that chemistry into chemistry of health and vitality. And all of a sudden it says, my goodness, we're not victims of our genes if we're victims of our consciousness. Our thoughts, oh. they're negative thoughts. It goes, you can get sick. Oh, you know, and people go, oh, that sounds so like new age. And I go, listen, placebo effect. It's been around for 100 yeah. years. <laughs> placebo effect, positive thought can heal you. And what people don't listen to, and this is important for the audience, this is really important, because a placebo is, yes, a positive thought. I'm going to heal myself with this pill. Even if it's sugar, you don't know you get healed. But people don't recognize that negative thoughts are equally powerful in creating our life as is the positive thought. And so uh, all thought creates life. And we never talk about negative thoughts. And uh, psychologists tell us, I think, 70% of the thoughts that run through our head continuously are negative. <laughs> so it's like, oh, my God, how can you get ahead yeah. when your consciousness is negative? That's where it comes to the problem. And yet... We're powerful because, uh, I'll, I'll finish this uh, with this, mm. we are powerful creators because the character of our life is a complement to our consciousness. And since, as you well know and you teach, uh, mm. if you change this consciousness, you change the character of your life. Boom. Folks, you heard it right there. Bruce Lipton, you so, just broke it. Down. So I, you know, I have like four trillion questions now, and you know, the first one I was going to ask, which I think, which I think you pretty much answered, was you know, how to what degree are we at the effect of our genes? But now we're seeing the power of our thoughts and our thinking, which which obviously affects our chemistry, which then affects our blood, which then affects our genetics, the environment with which our genetics are. Flowing in. So here's a question, Bruce, and I'm sure you can break this down too, is, okay, change my thoughts. You, you know, I'm a believer. I'm, I'm in the choir. So change, someone's, think, someone's listening to this conversation. 
change my thoughts. Okay, think positive, think great, focus on gratitude. But what about many of us, right, who we understand what you're saying. I mean, you broke it down to the point efficiently, brilliantly. But now if I'm at home and I know I should be thinking gratitude thoughts and positive thoughts and what have you, I know I should be, but I, I just can't quite get myself to. You know, I guess there's two questions in one. To what degree, Bruce, is that, is that biological? Is that, is that genetics that we can't quite get ourselves to? So how does someone who seems stuck in negativity, you know, focusing on the negative, how do they shift that? That's question number one. And perhaps you could weave in, you know, I understand the value of thinking positively and gratitude, but I've sometimes seen folks in the spiritual in the spiritual world take the sort of let me think positive concept and maybe let's say do a spiritual bypass and not feel uh, certain feelings that aren't necessarily positive and that can keep them stuck. So, can you address that? Both those. Uh- I can certainly address that, and and Kud, if there's a like like the most important point of our conversation, I think it's going to come right now, and the point is this. Uh, let me first start with a, 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 a something about science. The most truthful, most valid, most tested science on the planet is quantum physics. And people go, "Oh, that's you know kind of weird physics or something," but I have to emphasize. The most important principle in quantum physics is consciousness is creating our life experience. Now, this is not up for discussion. This is just a fact of science, and it's very hard for people to wrap their head around it. And my work was a bridge because it really revealed the mechanism of how that consciousness through the brain and the chemicals released and the genetics and all that, the, the new science called epigenetics, um, reveals how that consciousness creates that reality. So we're talking a, a, a very serious thing about consciousness is giving the character of our lives. Now, some people say, well, I have all these positive thoughts about what I would like, but I'm struggling in life. Well, here yes. is the whole crux of the problem. Consciousness is derived from two independent parts of our nervous system, one called the conscious brain, and the other is called the subconscious mind. Conscious mind, subconscious mind. Let me explain the difference. Conscious mind is the one connected to your personal identity, your spirituality, your source. You are like the voice of a conscious mind. The subconscious mind is the equivalent of a record playback device like a CD recorder or old-fashioned tape player. I put a program into it. I download a program into the player. And then every time you push the button, the program's going to play over and over and over again. The subconscious mind is programs. Uh, uh, And the most important part about it is this. The basic programs that go into your subconscious mind, you downloaded them in your first seven years from the last trimester of pregnancy to the first seven years of life. Your brain is in hypnosis. 
It's a state of observing your mother, your father, your siblings, your community, and observing them and recording them like on a CD player or an old-fashioned tape player. I'm recording a program of other people's behavior. Well, that's how you get your behavior at first because you're born without behavior. Uh, It's sort of like a computer in the sense your brain, a computer. You buy a brand-new computer. It's got a system in it. Yeah, it turns on. Yeah, but what can you do? Well, you can't do anything until you do what? Put some programs in there like a word program or art program or whatever. Until the, If you don't have program in there, you can turn the computer on, but it, it doesn't do anything. A child's brain for the first seven years is primarily engaged in downloading programs, programs of behavior, programs of personal identity, like who am I? Uh, These are programs, okay? And now they become habits. I say relevant, Mm. you get a program, you push that, you play, push play, and that program plays, it's going to play exactly the same forever and ever and ever until you change that program, Mm -hmm. okay? So if you got a negative program, and your subconscious in the first seven years, it's in there. And it's always there mm-hmm. until you rewrite it. Uh, and it's going to be there and it's always going to play the exact same program. So here's the difference. Mm-hmm. Conscious mind is creative wishes and desires. Subconscious mind are habits, programs, downloads. Okay, so I say, great. If I just use my creative mind with positive thinking and wishes, like I'm going to be healthy, I'm going to have a great relationship, I'm going to have a great Mm -hmm. job, positive thinking, that's conscious mind. But then here's, this is now, finally Lipton's going to get to the point, and that is this. (laughs) We now know from science Mm. that we only use the conscious mind to control our behavior 5% of the day 95 percent of the day the behaviors that we display are habits that are coming from the subconscious now here's the problem why why am i only running my life wishes and desires five percent and the answer is yes thinking when we're thinking a thought directs your consciousness to the inside so If I ask you right now, tell me what you're doing at Sunday at 2 o'clock, you're going to go inside your head and you're going to try to think, oh, Sunday, what am I doing? I say, yeah, well, what's going on? I say, your conscious mind is not paying attention to what's going on outside. Your conscious mind, when you're thinking, is looking inside. So I say, why is it relevant? I say, well, when you're thinking then your conscious mind is not controlling your behavior because it's inside, it's on, a, it's on a job, it's thinking. So if you're walking down the street or you're driving your car or you're doing some job, when you start thinking, the brain automatically switches to the control by the subconscious programs. And so this allows me to walk down the street and be thinking and not walk into a tree. <laughs> Why? My conscious mind's inside, looking inside and thinking. My subconscious is in charge of walking. It knows it's a million times more powerful a computer than the conscious mind. <laughs> so uh, you can get in your car and think about where you're going or what you're going to do at the store. As you're driving down the street, you're not paying attention, but your subconscious mind's driving it. Uh, th- let me give a important example. 
that will make us make important sense uh, for those people that drive, for example. Uh, you've been driving for a while. Uh, you know how to drive. You get in the car. You have a passenger. You start getting in a conversation while you're driving, and you get the really cool conversations rah, back and forth, back and forth. And then as the driver, you look out the window, and um, for a moment you realize, I haven't paid attention to the road for the last five minutes. But you're still driving. Everything looks safe. You haven't hit anything. Uh, uh, and then here comes the question. I say, well, 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 you were driving then and you weren't paying attention to, you know, because subconscious was driving the car. Um, I say, can you tell me what your conversation was about? You go, oh, yes, we talked about this and this and this, that, because that was the focus of your consciousness. But then I say, well, while you were having the conversation, what did you see on the road? And all of a sudden you think, I, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> and the answer was because you were focusing on conversation. Driving the car, habit. You know how to do it. It's a habit. It's a program. You can drive safely. <laughs> Why? Because subconscious mind is more powerful than the conscious mind anyway. But the point was clear. When your consciousness was focused on the conversation, you had no idea of the behavior that was being played. And how was your driving? I have no idea. I, was, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> so, conclusion. And this, this, uh, this is the conclusion that's important. Your conscious mind has wishes and desires of the things you want in life. It works about 5% controlling your behavior because 95% of the time it's thinking. That means that 95% of your life is coming from subconscious behavioral programs. But you don't see these programs because you're thinking. But they're automatic. <laughs> and you carry on with your life. And then you find out that 70% uh, or more of those programs are negative. Uh, and I say, well, yes. then here's the, here's the conclusion. That's the critical one. You go forward with wishes and desires of what you want. And then during the day, only 5% of the time are you actually paying attention to that. 95% of the time you're playing the programs that you got from your parents and your family and your community. Yes. And if they're negative, the only thing you'll see with the conscious mind is what's the result? What happened today? Did I get successful? Did I get healthy? No. Oh, and this is then the crux of the problem because now we feel we are victims victims of nature, victims of the universe. I wanted this and it didn't happen. Oh my God, nature nature's not supporting me. God's not supporting me. It's like, oh my God, we're the ones that created that. We created that. But if you have no idea what I just said, it's invisible. It's your life is invisible. 95% of your behavior is invisible to you. One last story, and then we'll get into the question. <laughs> For 30 years, 30 years, same story. I say, you probably had a friend at some point in your life, and you were very close to your friend, and you knew your friend's behavior very well. And you happen to know your friend's parent. And one day you see your friend has the exact same behavior as their parents, so you want to tell your friend, you, you go like, hey, Bill, you're just like your dad. And then you back away from Bill because <laughs> Bill goes ballistic and goes, how can you compare me to my dad? I'm nothing like my dad. Mm -hmm. And people laugh. And I say, okay, you want to know why that's the most profound story? Because number one, everyone else can see Bill's behavior except Bill. 
And the reason is this, because if he's thinking 95% of the time, he can't see the behavior. I said, and what behavior was he doing? The one he got downloaded from his dad. So everybody else can see that Bill behaves like his dad. The only one who does not see it is Bill, because when he was playing these programs, he wasn't observing it. And then the biggest conclusion of all from that is we are all Bill, every one of us. (laughs) So how does that, I guess, how does one... Uh, start switching and influencing then the subconscious, switching the the programs in the subconscious. Where do we start? Well, the first thing is, what what are the programs that we have? Now, this is why that becomes a difficult question is, you were already being programmed in the last trimester of pregnancy. Even before you were born, you were getting programs. Mm Uh, you were being programmed at zero, you were being programmed at one, you were being programmed at two. And I go back and say, mm. tell me what, can you remember the program? And the answer is obviously not. You weren't even conscious. <laughs> so uh, the point about it is then I, we, we have an issue right now. And I say, your life is run by programs that you got and you don't know the program. And then here's the answer that makes everything like, oh, and the answer is this. of our life is coming from the program, the subconscious. The point is our life is a printout of our program. I said, well, what does that mean? Well, look at your life and all the things that you like that come into your life and Mm -hmm. please you. All the things that you come in and and you say, oh, yeah, I, I have this and I love this. They come in because you have a program to encourage that. Now comes the one that's important. Anything you desire, but you have to work hard for it. You have to sweat over it. You have to put a lot of effort in to make it happen. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I go, why are you working so hard? And the answer is inevitably that destination is not in your program. Whatever it is you were trying to get and you can't get there, it's not you can't get there. It's your program. So automatically you know what your program is. It's the one, the program mm-hmm. is, let's say I'm trying for relationships. And the answer is this, my relationship programs suck. <laughs> That's what it is, you know, my health, I'm trying to get my health healthy. I'm working on all my mind with my health. And I say, but you've got a program that you're not healthy. Uh, and you say, why would I get a program I'm not healthy? I'll, I'm going to give you the one, the, one of the biggest reasons why people get sick. You ready? We all seek as humans love. Love is what we were born with, and love is what we seek throughout life. And when people don't have love in their brain, their subconscious, remember, it's the programmer, the program, the system goes in, where's love, where's love? And then the program says, I know where love is. Where? When you get mm. sick. Remember when you were a kid and how much more attention right. your mother and father gave you and all mm. that? And the brain subconscious, automatic, says, oh, love, it's, you get sick, we'll have love. It's like, then you unconsciously mm-hmm. made yourself sick, mm-hmm. seeking love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Conditioning. So how do we change these programs, Bruce? I mean, what do we do? How do we change the well, programs the in thing- my subconscious? If I, if, I, if I have a program that's like, I have to get sick in order to, to be loved, or I have a program like, you know, money is bad, or, or whatever the program is, how do I shift it? Okay, so now the, the so the first thing we we got the conclusion here is the negative things that are happening in our life are not accidents. Number one, they are the result of programs. Uh, who 
programmed you, whether it's your mother, your father, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whoever, you know, made that lesson that was like, ah, uh, we don't have to deal with them anymore. So history is not relevant. Present is relevant. What is it you're trying to get that you have difficulty achieving? And the first thing it is, is that will then bring the light on to where is my problem? Is there a problem with, you know, relationships or whatever? Okay. So now we have to say is, look, I'm not, uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't, I'm not good at relationships. So I said, well, what program do you want? I want to be loved. I want to have good relationships. I say, oh, so you want to, if you want that program, I say, yes. I say, well, you want to make that into the subconscious. And, and here's the joyful part. There is a joyful part is because the moment a new program goes into the subconscious, you don't have to work on it anymore, ever. Because now it's a habit. It will automatically do it. If I'm looking for love and I put the right program in, I don't even have to look for it. It will automatically, 95% of the day, my subconscious will be creating whatever behaviors are necessary to manifest that love. Without you even, that's what I was saying, 5% of the day you could be thinking, 95% of that time you're coming from the program. You put a program of love in there, you put a program of health or whatever, you know, getting a great job, the program of what your goal is. Once the program is in, you don't have to work on it anymore because it's going to work 95% of the day without you even putting effort into it because it's automatic. So positive sign. The idea is if I do get a program in there, once it's in there, I'm free. <laughs> so I say, okay, now comes the issue. And that's the more important one that you were addressing is, well, how the hell do I program it? I go, ah, oh. <laughs> okay. So here's the difference. Conscious mind is creative, and as a creative mind, it can uh, download uh, new beliefs virtually instantly. I could, you know, uh, listen to the conversation we're having here. I could read a book. I could watch a TV show. I could go, aha, and I just changed my conscious mind. It's flexible. It's changeable because creativity is changeable. Subconscious mind, not changeable by intention. You have a habit, <laughs> You don't want to, if it's a good habit, you don't want to lose a good habit. I'll give you an example. The, the subconscious mind is, how come I can walk without ever thinking about it? I don't have to say, oh, I, want, I need to go over there, so I must walk, and now let me focus on walking. It's like, no, you have an intention to go over there, you automatically go over there. Why? It's habit. You know how to walk without thinking. So, uh, you know, the habit mind resists change. And thank God. You learned how to walk before you're two. And you're still using the same program, and it's very effective. If the subconscious mind would change programs very quickly, you could lose a program. So uh, the idea of the subconscious mind resists change. So therefore, you want to change the subconscious mind, you can only change it by the way it knows how to create programs. Okay? Now, there are two fundamental natural ways that the subconscious mind creates programs. The first way is first seven years of life, you're automatically downloading programs. And I go, oh, it's a state of hypnosis. Uh, it's it's um, a lower brain vibration. And when I talk about brain vibration, that's like uh, scientifically put wires on a person's head and you're reading the electrical activity of the brain conducted to the skin via what's called the electroencephalograph EEG. I'm reading brain function. Okay? Yes. So, uh, um, so, so the idea is that uh, in, in this brain, in this subconscious, 
um, state uh, that's a lower vibration EEG than the conscious state. And we're in the state predominantly, the lower state, called theta. Uh, it, theta, mm-hmm. let me give you a characteristic of behavior in theta is imagination. So uh, uh, mm-hmm. a child is riding a broom, but at that moment, in the child's brain, theta, imagination, it's not a broom, it's a horse. It really is to that child. It's not, I'm not riding a broom, I'm riding a horse. Uh, a tea party, they pour nothing into the cup, they drink it and talk about how wonderful the tea was. Uh, uh, it's imagination. Okay, so our brain is predominantly there for first seven years, but that's also hypnosis. And that's why, and how quickly we can download programs because the brain is just observing and downloading. Observing and downloading. Uh, it does not distinguish good from bad, right from wrong. There's no, <clears throat> there's no quality control. It's just you turned on the video recorder, whatever was out there got recorded, good or bad. <laughs> and 70%, of course, is bad. Uh, uh, okay, so I say, if I want to change the program, then hypnosis, if I can get my brain down to theta, I can put in the statements that I want in a hypnosis form. This is what I want. You know, you can create your own statements, or matter of fact, uh, they're, they're called self-hypnosis uh, programs. Uh, like uh, you can get a CD with uh, programs to make relationships better, make health better, job better. You get the whole list of these programs. I say, well, here's, how, here's what's important. You don't need to see a hypnotherapist. Every night mm. when you go to bed, your brain automatically goes through a zone theta. And here's how it works. The vibration in your brain is highest at work. It's called beta vibration. When you come home and you start to relax, the brain calms down, the vibration calms down. Now it's called alpha. That's calm consciousness. You're alert, you're awake, but there's not the work vibration. But the moment you fall asleep, the vibration drops down to a lower one, theta. Consciousness is disconnected. You're now asleep. But the brain is still in a zone theta, uh, and it lasts for a period of time, and then you drop into the lowest vibration, delta, and that's sound asleep. So here's the point. Between falling asleep and sound asleep, the brain is operating in theta. That's the same uh, condition of hypnosis. So I say, if you put earphones on as you're going to sleep and you have the program playing of the thing you want in your life, As you're going to sleep, that program is not going into consciousness. It's bypassing consciousness, which is not at that, that vibration is not working. It's now going into theta, which is a direct download into the subconscious. It's self-hypnosis. And everybody can do this. Put the earphones on, put the program in, play, go to bed. And that's the other part that's neat. You don't even have to be alert. (laughs) You're sleeping and you're burning. So, you know, let's talk about eating right there. The second one is, how did we get habits after age seven? Because age seven up to then was hypnosis. After age seven, repetition. You learn things by practicing things. How many times did you have to get on the bike and practice to to stay on the bike without falling off or driving the car? There was a learning period of repetition, practice. You want to play a musical instrument. Well, you've got to practice. What is practice? Repetition. What is repetition? A process of 
putting data into the subconscious. So the subconscious learns by repetition after age seven. Yeah, it's still learning. I mean, you learn how to drive a car. You were obviously older than age seven, and you don't have to think about driving the car. It's automatic now. So I say, yes, after age seven, repetition. Now you say, well, what does that mean? Now here's what it is. You have to repeat a behavior or a thought process. Just continue. It's an exercise. It, 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 you know, it's not like a sticky note. Let me, let me separate sticky note from habit. <laughs> sticky note, you put it on the refrigerator, and every now and then you look at it and go, oh, yeah, all right. Habit is a, is a programmed exercise of repetition. And what are you going to do? Awesome. You're going to put in a belief system that you want to be real as if it was real right now. Uh, so let's say if I'm not well and I want to be healthy, let's say, uh, you know, uh, I have a disease, cancer, let's say, okay? And I'm thinking I want the cancer to go away. I want the cancer to go away. And I'm saying, what What are you focusing on? You're focusing on the cancer. <laughs> You're saying, I don't want the cancer. Yeah, no, I don't care what you want. The picture in your mind is a cancer picture. It's not health. It's cancer. <laughs> So you don't say, I want to be healthy, I will be healthy, uh, and it's very important you say, why can't, you know, say, let's program, I want to be healthy, I want to be healthy, I want to be healthy, and I say, okay, now I got the program, now it's a recording, and I say, let's come back next year, and let's hear that recording again, a year later, and I say, let's hear it, I want to be healthy, I want, I say, wait a minute, it's been a whole year. And you're still wanting to be healthy. You're not healthy. And so the idea is you can't put in a future term. It has to be in the present, which is hard for some people. If you're really sick and you're programming, I am healthy, it doesn't sound right. But the fact is this. It's the repetition of I am healthy, I am healthy, I am whatever it is I want. I am in love, I am blah, 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 whatever it is, blah, blah, blah. You repeat it. Uh, I like it there. The new age phraseology is Fake it till you make it, which is exactly what I'm talking about. If you're not a happy person, then you talk all day long. Your thoughts go in your head. I am happy. I am happy. And, you know, from the outside, it's like, yeah, really? No, no. I say, no, no. Just keep saying I am happy. Why? Repetition is what will put that program in. Then I say, then what happens? If you have a program that I am happy is built into the system, here's the joyous part I mentioned earlier. Well, now you don't have to do any more work. Why? 95% of the day, I am happy is the program that would be played through your, your programming, and you will manifest happiness without thinking about it, or health, or relationships, or job, any of those things. There's so many, so many questions. Yeah, so, so, folks, I hope you're taking in the conversation. Bruce is uh, dropping some gems here. One, one quick question, and then another question. It, but to what degree, and this was kind of part two of my question earlier that it just I was just reminded about, to what degree though, let's say I, let's say I do have some deep sadness inside, Bruce, like maybe some trauma from childhood that I haven't dealt with. You know, I'm pissed off at my dad who, you know, beat me when I was a child and, and I haven't dealt with it. I've pretended everything's fine and, I'm, and, I've, and I've got this, this anger inside. I mean, to what degree... If I am doing these affirmations, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy. Is that a spiritual bypass that I'm not dealing with my shit? I'm not dealing with my stuff. And, mm. and so 
is there a healthy way that one can deal with their authentic feelings, not cover it up, and yes. so, you know, program this? How, how does one do that? That's what I'd like you to speak to, just so that people don't deny the authentic stuff inside. Because I've seen many people no. who do the affirmations and they just they stay depressed and they stay stuck in cycles. Okay. Now, let me give you a fact that's so profoundly important is because when I work with some people and doing some belief change programs, uh, one of the first beliefs that I've had them check using kinesiology muscle testing uh, is, and this is very critical, the belief, I love myself. I'm going to tell you over 80%, usually 90% of every audience will not test positive to the simple belief, I love myself. And I say, well, why wow. is that? And the answer is, as children, how did parents generally program us to do the right thing? And the answer is they were like coaches on a sports team. The player isn't doing well. What does the coach say? Come on, you don't deserve to be on the team. That's not good enough. Who do you think you are? Now, the coach is doing that to needle the players, to say, oh, okay, coach, I'll do better. But when a child, and this is where the, the whole thing collapses, a child under seven is not conscious. It's just recording. It's not understanding. It's just recording. A child has to be old enough to understand that the coach isn't really saying you're a stupid idiot for the rest of your life or you're, not, you're a lazy person. It's just that if you try harder, it'll be better. And consciousness understands what the coach is talking about. A child under seven does not have that conscious awareness and is only recording the words. What did we record? Not good enough, not smart enough, not capable of being sickly, whatever it is. Uh, this is the character. And I say, why is it relevant? Because that then becomes a program. What is my character? Not deserving, not lovable, not good enough. Uh, at every level, th those fundamental, those are the fundamental things. How did my father say it or what reason did he say it for? I was crying mm -hmm. for toys at Kmart when the carriage went by. That's not relevant. What was relevant was mm -hmm. I did not deserve. And the, so the relevance is this. Most of us do not love ourselves. And until that mm -hmm. is dealt with, Everything else is a secondary consequence. If you don't love yourself, then why would you deserve something? Why would you even be lovable? How can somebody love you if you don't love yourself? Uh, and this yes. is like, oh, my God, this is the biggest issue on this planet. We have been programmed in an incorrect way. Rather than being programmed to support and encourage us, you're the smartest, most wonderful, capable kid, whatever, blah, blah, blah. What do we get? No, you're not, not good enough. Who do you think you are? You don't deserve this. And it's like, oh, that's negative programming. <laughs> and it would only work if the child was conscious. But if the child's not conscious, that negative becomes the negative habit. And that habit, since the mind is going to take the program and make reality, that's, that's actually the simple fact. The mind will take the program and make a, a life that matches the program. Matches that. And if we have been disempowered from the get-go, and the mind 95% of the time is using those programs, then we have been disempowered for life. That's the bottom line. Yes. Until we talk yes. about how to change it. And um, there was a third way of changing, which I think is like this is exciting. Tell us. 
The, the third way is engaging what is called super learning. And you go, what the heck is super learning? And I say, well, for maybe you've seen somebody read a book by moving their finger down the page, just stroking the finger down the page, fast as that, like one second, boom, down the page. That is a process of learning where you can read the entire page as fast as you move the finger down there. That's super learning. And if you can engage that super learning character, we could also use it to change subconscious programming. And so there's a whole new field of psychology called energy psychology, which is really predicated on the reality if you can get into a super learning mode, in that mode, you can download a new behavior in 10, 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, all that sweat of repetition and hypnosis and repetition and stuff, you can change. Uh, I just want to give people an insight so that, as you mentioned, my website, very simple, brucelipton.com, under resources, I have, I think, over 25 different energy psychology modalities, their websites, and a brief description. So it's really important. Um, necessity is the mother of invention. Uh, simple fact of science, we are facing what is called the sixth mass extinction of life that will include us, uh, and not in a thousand years, but even before the end of the century. And the sixth mass extinction of life is scientifically proven to be due to human behavior. That we're destroying with our creativity, we're destroying the opportunity you could have heaven, you could have hell. It on your program. Yeah. Do you feel you, you mentioned illness earlier, and I think there might be some folks listening in today that maybe they're going through an illness. You mentioned cancer. Um, my mother passed from cancer uh, 14 months ago, and there's many folks that have you know lost loved ones, have gone through illnesses, and some have healed, some haven't healed, some are probably facing illnesses right now challenges uh, in their physiology. So do you believe through shifting one's thought and belief that is it possible that any illness can be healed? And why do some people heal and why do some people not heal? Okay, um, first question. Even starting from the premises of quantum physics, as we mentioned real early, Consciousness is creating our life experience, and it's a simple physics issue. Change your consciousness and your life experience changes. And this is what we've been talking about. How do we get the consciousness? How do we change the consciousness? It's all about. Uh, the idea that genes are the problem with our health is a fallacious yes. idea. Less, less than 1% of disease is even connected to genetics, less than 1%. Uh, and so w where is disease coming from? Not from the genes, it's coming from the consciousness that, that we've been in. I'll give you an example of this. They followed the fate of kids who were adopted into families where cancer runs in the family. And they find that the adopted child will end up getting the same family cancer with the same probability as any of the natural siblings. But the reality mm. is the adopted child has totally different genetics. What was the point? Well, wow. Cancer wasn't from genetics. Cancer was from, from a life that is, uh, has that underneath programming with anger, uh, not able to release this uh, stuff, bad programming regarding health, all these things. Uh, uh, and so a child adopted in the family downloads the behavior of the family, 
that's where the cancer came from. And, and, and this is important for people to know because if you're given the notion that cancer was caused because some stupid cells went crazy and the genes went crazy, uh, that would be a genetic cause. And it turns out, nah, uh, it, it's basically an environmental programming cause. And because we can control the environment and because we can do the programming, then we have the option of, of maintaining health virtually through anything. Uh, how effective is uh, consciousness? The answer is, well, have you ever seen people walk across hot coals? <laughs> I go, yeah. And I say, it can only do it because of that consciousness. That if any person walking across those coals at a moment doubts they can do it, is the moment they will actually get burned. And that happens all the time. Uh, and all of a sudden you start to realize it's like, my God, uh, uh, you know what's interesting? There's an old, because I, I didn't, I came from a scientific background, didn't believe in any of the spirituality, any of that stuff, but through the understanding of the cells reveal, oh my God, I'm not even, you know, I'm an energy, a broadcast playing through this system. Uh, and it really led into this spiritual thing. And you know, it's one, it's interesting because then listening to some of the old terminology, and this is one, surround yourself with white light. Everybody goes, well, that's, you know, sounds like some metaphor or something like that. And the answer is no, it's actually energy. <laughs> you can yeah. surround yourself with an energy field. And when you are surrounded with that energy field, you can walk across the hot coals. Now, here's an interesting thing. You can visualize an energy field around an individual using something called Kirlian photography. It shows an energetic aura outside of our skin that radiates from us. And what it also shows is very interesting. When people are healthy, that energy surrounding our outside hands, arms, fingers, as you can see it in the, in the Kirlian picture. When we are healthy, there's a solid, uh, you know, wall of this visible, uh, made visible energy in the picture. But when we are sick or open to illness, guess what? There are perforations in that energy field that where the, all of a sudden there's parts of the skin where there's no energy field on it at all. Uh, and, and why is it relevant? Because now we are permeable to things outside of us. And I say, if you surround yourself with white light, which is really saying I'm surrounding myself with this energy shield, you could walk through uh, a ward of sick people and never get sick. I said, yeah, because that's what doctor's energy field is. I'm a doctor. I can't get sick. New energy field. New walls off anything out there. They're not genetically different. They just have a consciousness. I'm the doctor. I can't get sick. It's like, it's like walking across the coals. So uh, we have to start to recognize that. Uh, and stress is what perforates that energy shield. Stress. So how, how does someone, I guess, uh, manage stress? How does someone deal with stress? How do, I guess how does someone, what is a way that someone can lessen the stress or not ex like not experience stress is there is are there any well first you yeah I, I would say first you acknowledge what the stress is i'm afraid of x well that's okay that's the current vision that's the current problem now the new idea is x is irrelevant <laughs> x is irrelevant it doesn't <laughs> bother me oh and you say it's that simple i go 
Yes, but you have to recognize X is a problem not because of X, but X represents something in your subconscious that you know lights that that behavior up. So it's not X where the problem is; it's in our subconscious that allowed X to get under the skin. X is that's the trigger. We have to, yeah, that's the trigger. It, it, it irritates under the skin. And, and and that's where the biology is under the skin. I love it. A personal question, Bruce. I mean, we're we're kind of yeah. coming to we shared so much in this conversation. I feel, I feel like we, we could speak to you for like fourteen days here, right? You're just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> Was there a a time in your life where you felt like giving up, or you went through some challenges? And I'm curious in that moment. Of, of a dark night of the soul or dark, maybe you haven't gone through that. You seem like a joyous person, but you know, we're, as human beings, we all face stuff. And so what kept you going through some of your greatest challenges or, or difficulties? What, what stops you from giving up? Because I'm sure there are people listening to this conversation, at least one person who feels like giving up on their dreams or, or, or their vision. Oh, and so what kept you been going? there? Been there, <laughs> uh, you know, because look, How do you deal with I it? acquired, uh, I, well, number one, humor. If you can laugh, the whole thing comes <laughs> out of it. Uh, and so sometimes <laughs> I, I remember uh, one of the big hurts was the first time I really fell in love with somebody. Uh, and, then, uh, and then at some point along, she says, oh, I need some space. And what she did uh, is she took her bike rode down the street and moved into somebody else's house. And it was like, I was like devastated. My whole, I mean, everything. And I, I can remember uh, sitting alone in my house in the dark, bemoaning the fact she's not there. And I kept saying, oh, you're not here. Oh, you know, stop bothering me. I'm thinking, in my head, stop bothering me. And then all of a sudden, like this voice, a detached voice goes, well, obviously she's not bothering you. What are you worried about? <laughs> you know, it's like uh, <laughs> laugh. Uh, she's not bothering me. I'm bothering me, uh, and, I'm bothering and that me. broke exactly. it. Uh, uh, you need something like a spark to break something. And I, uh, I was more mm-hmm. or less, even if I was, you know, assessed as a manic depressive at points, because I could get really depressed mm-hmm. when things didn't work out, and then they get worse, and then they get worse, and they get like worse. I go down to the bottom. And I, you know, would have like this talking, like, a, you know, the cartoon of like a devil and an angel on each shoulder and you one saying thing, the other one back in my head, back and forth. And I was going through this, the, this dark part where it's like, I can't do anything right. You're so stupid. You can't do anything right. Blah, blah, blah. And it was just getting worse. That third party voice, I could hear it like somebody else was in the room said yes. as i'm going through this this dialogue with myself you're not any good you can't do it and i hear this voice go don't you have anything better to do than to listen to this stuff <laughs> and I, it's just like stop me in my track like you know and i, yeah. I just thought i, I I'd, I'd rather go see a movie so i immediately yeah. opened up the newspaper saw a movie went to the movie and guess what immediately mm. The whole issue stopped. I changed mm-hmm. the thought. I went into a whole different thought. Just boom. And the issue that was interesting mm-hmm. is because when it started to arise again, I'd start to laugh because I'd say to myself, I remember going, don't you have anything better to do? And then immediately do something different. And guess what? Repetition. I, I no longer ever get into that depressive mode. Uh, 
because my consciousness mm-hmm. will switch it the moment it starts to go. It says, okay, do something else. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. been a great experience of not having to deal with that stuff again. You know, that depressive thing is like, nope, my behavior says, nope, not, not now. Let's go do something. And mm-hmm. what an amazing it. difference. I love so it. Thank you hearing this this amazing interview with with incredible Bruce Lipton, author of Biology of Belief. If you haven't checked out his book, make sure you check out his book. Bruce, this has been a a really amazing, inspiring conversation. I mean, I'm I'm ready to levitate right now. I think I be, I'm starting I'm start, <laughs> from this conversation. I'm starting to believe, Bruce, I can levitate. So, <laughs> I know the you're there. I already, the I already know you're there, my friend. <laughs> so listen, <laughs> last couple of simple questions as we begin to wrap this conversation. And, and folks, I hope you're taking lots of notes and, and excited to implement what Bruce Lipton is saying. Bruce, if there were, I mean, you've shared a lot. And so if there were three simple key life lessons that as you look back over your life, and wealth of experience. I mean, you've been in this field a long time. You've been on this planet a little while. If there are three key life lessons that you would consider the most important things that you've learned in your life through experience, successes, and failures that you would pass on to the next generation, your children, grandchildren, those listening in, the next generations to come, what would the three key life lessons be? Okay, let's put them sequentially first was the recognition that I am not a victim of heredity, that I can change my mm-hmm. biology with a change of consciousness. Placebo effect, or uh, the negative one called nocebo effect, change that consciousness, and that empowers us because every other programming and the stuff that I was teaching before I got this awareness, the same stuff I was teaching is mm-hmm. what people still hear, is that, oh, you're just a victim of your heredity. Those are your genes, and that's your life. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's totally false. Mm-hmm. We control our genetics. Number two, the perhaps the most profound experience in my entire life was recognizing um, that my identity, Bruce, is not my body, but a broadcast in the environment, an energy that is playing through my body. My body is like a television set playing the Bruce show because my antennas are tuned to the Bruce vibrational frequency. You have your own frequency. No two people have the same vibrational frequency. That's why we can't exchange organs and parts with each other because our cells are responding to a unique frequency. Each person has a unique vibrational frequency. They are called self receptors. (laughs) But the moment I recognize it's like, oh my God, the self receptors are on the outside of the cell membrane. I go, so why is it relevant? I said, well, if it's picking up self, where the heck is self? And the answer is not inside. It's a broadcast. And all of a sudden I said, oh, my God, I can't die. I'm not even in here. <laughs> I, I am receiving a broadcast and playing my behavior through it. Very interesting point. This is why when people uh, get like a heart transplant, They start to pick up characteristics of the donor who gave that heart. I say, well, people say the memory is in the heart. And I go, no, no. The heart cells have antennas that are still tuned to the vibrational frequency of that person. 
So that person's got the transplanted heart's got two different signal sets coming in, one from the original cells of who they are, and the other broadcast is the one going into their heart. So uh, yeah, it's like, wow, uh, I, you can't die. Uh, and why is that relevant? Because if we go back to our developmental period, the most ferocious fear we acquire is mortality, that we're going to die. Mm-hmm. And then everything about life after that is protect us from dying, you know, but, but the idea was, yeah. but what if you let go of dying? What if, what, you see, so I saw it not as go to church and read a Bible and no, no, I saw it as a scientific mechanism of protein receptors and cell behavior. And I saw that the signal is not coming from inside, it's coming from outside. And then it's like, oh, two plus two is four. I'm not in here. <laughs> uh, uh, but that led then to the question, the, the answer number three. Then, yes. why am I in this body? What is the nature of this body? And the answer is this. When I found out to myself at that moment that I have a spiritual existence, which is separate from my physical existence, as a scientist, I asked myself a serious question. I said, why have a spirit and a body? Why not just be the spirit? And 50 trillion cells inside my body, the voice welled up and came into my head. And I asked, why have both? And the cells responded, and they're kind of funny because they're humor. Uh, I, I said, why have both a spirit and a body? Why not just be a spirit? And the cells said, Bruce, if you're just a spirit, what does chocolate taste like? And all of a sudden, I said, oh, oh my God, this is a virtual reality suit. When I get into my body's control, I can see with eyes. That's that, that, that's an, a device. It's a mechanical device. I can hear love. That's a chemical response. And all of a sudden, I said, oh, my God, the body is a virtual reality device that takes my consciousness, and I can use it to move and do things and make things. And all of a sudden, I said, yeah, and then I'm creating my life with this. And I thought, well, which I learned, if you change the story of the creation, your life will all of a sudden accommodate the new story. And then it's like final conclusion. You don't die and go, we're born into heaven. This is where consciousness has a mechanism to express itself. Smell the, the, the roses and feel the breeze and, and listen to the music and all these things. It's like, wow, that's 50 trillion cells taking an energy environment and turning it into a sensation. We're here to have these sensations and to be creative. In other words, heaven. <laughs> Uh, and so my life changed and said, don't, don't wait till you die, man. You, you better enjoy it because <laughs> this is the physical opportunity to manifest creation. Amazing. Beautiful. Amazing life lessons, folks. Bruce Lipton, you are not a victim to your heredity. Your identity is not simply limited to your body. And, you know, this body is the opportunity the vehicle to manifest consciousness and manifest life and creation. And uh, I think, Bruce, as you've been sharing, I think everyone listening, I, I think we're really inspired because I'm, I'm really feeling even more so, I feel it every day, but even more so speaking to you, just a privilege it is to be alive, you know, having this human experience, you know, consciousness as this human embodied experience. experience. So folks, 
Take a moment right now, wherever you are listening to this conversation and feel those 50 trillion cells in your body and realize, you know, if you're, if you're wondering, you know, how do I have faith? Just look around. All of existence is living proof. Your body, you are, your existence and what is living and breathing you is living proof. So take a moment, breathe it, feel it, enjoy it, and savor every single moment. Bruce, this has been a special conversation. I want to thank you for your generosity, your love. You have poured so much out today. Um, can you just assign one simple homework? Can you give the listeners a homework that they can immediately implement right now? Just something practical that they can do as an assignment to accelerate their evolution. Yes, make a list. Make a list of the things that you love that come into your life and recognize. I don't have to deal with that. That program's already in there. And then make a list of what are the things you are struggling with. And then recognize that that's the reason your struggle is the program. And by understanding what the program is and focusing on it, you can rewrite the program and turn it around 180 degrees and make that the new program. And then you're free and you're a creator. And then you are going to experience why we have this beautiful opportunity to be on planet Earth. Simple. I love it. Simple. Folks, you heard it. The homework assignment from uh, Bruce Lipton. Make those two lists. I would love for you all to send me an email, coopblackson at coopblackson.com. Let me know you did this homework, and I would love to see and hear about the impact that this conversation uh, with Bruce has had on your life. Bruce, what is the, the best way that those listening in could be in touch with you and, and, and find out about your work? Is it through your website? My website, which is simple, brucelifton.com. Uh, I, I don't know the mechanism, but YouTube has what are called stations or something. And I mm. have many, many different uh, videos on there dealing with all these different kinds of issues that we're talking about, many of them illustrated and stuff like that. Uh, so there's another way of, of uh, getting a download is YouTube. Awesome. Folks, you heard it. Go to www.brucelipton.com. We'll put his, your, uh, the website in the show notes. Check out YouTube. Definitely, you know, I, I encourage you all to check out uh, Bruce's videos. They're inspiring, enlightening, empowering, motivating, uplifting for sure. Uh, if you haven't checked out The Biology of Belief, amazing book, uh, I think you'll find a lot, a lot of insight that will be supportive and life-changing there. Bruce, it's been a pleasure, an honor. Thank you for coming on Soul Talk today. Everyone, it's been great connecting with you all. Uh, until next time, stay inspired, and we have another amazing episode for you next week. Share it with your friends, download this episode, listen to it, repetition, 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 and then apply. Until next week, sending you all love, love now. If you've enjoyed this episode of Soul Talk, please do share the podcast with all of your friends. Let everyone know and make sure you download Soul Talk today. I'm looking forward to next week where I'll get to share more inspiration with you. Meanwhile, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or social media. You can find out more about my work at www.coopblackson.com. If you feel ready to take your life to the next level, join me at my exclusive event in Bali, www.boundlessblissbali.com, where you can find out more and apply. 
Also, make sure to remember to download my free two-part video training series and learn the ultimate secrets to happiness and fulfillment at coopblackson.com. Sending you all big hugs and love now.